Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitniks, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast. This is a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things related to OU football recruiting. This is episode 43 titled, The the Five-Star Dream is Over, or is it? I'm here with my co-host and partner in crime, Caleb Cummings, our key evaluator of recruits on the Sooners360.com website and message board. And we're going to be going solo for a little bit. Matt Burns, our usual uh, co-co-host, is uh, tied up with other projects. We're trying to get some YouTube stuff off the ground and trying to do some more video features. If you haven't seen them, they're on our, well, you need to subscribe to our site. We've got Barry Wise doing great video features on our transfers. We've been doing in-depth analysis on our verbals. And uh, we're putting more of this stuff on our website. And also, it's making its way to YouTube after our customers had a chance to peruse it. So Matt's tied up with all that from a production standpoint. So we're going to free him up a little bit. And it's just going to be uh, so the chains are off, the restraints are off, the adult in the room is out. It's just going to be Caleb and I to talk about recruiting. So uh, you'll have to bear with us if we go off the rails a little bit. Which leads me to the latest in, secu- in Sooner recruiting news. And let's talk about going off the rails a little bit. Uh, we're, gonna, we're not going to bury the lead. We're not going to not talk about the biggest topic out there. We're going to give it some space and distance and talk about it. And then we're not going to mention it any longer. Uh, this podcast will not feature uh, Caleb or I taking cheap pot shots at other websites and other podcasts. Uh, we think everybody in the student internet recruiting world does a good job trying to cover OU. And well, I wouldn't we'll say that, but I, well, I, would say, oh, I will okay. be respectful and I will be an adult. But I, all, right. You know. all right. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm taking the high road and say everyone's doing, a, everyone's doing, uh, adding, everyone adds their own opinion and viewpoint. Let me leave it at that. Everyone adds a different levels of value. I do agree. At different levels of, different levels of value. So we'll move, we'll go on, we'll move on from there. But as always, we will continue to cite and reference folks that are providing good information and are working hard to provide details that we don't have, just like we always have on this podcast. So 
when he's when Harry commits to OU. So what what the hell happened here? So you mean why Missouri? Did, sorry, Missouri. Even, <laughs> even mentally, I, I can't. I can't. I can't actually say it without making a mistake because I just can't consciously. I can't consciously process it right. So what went wrong here, or why didn't we have this information correctly? So from our side, I'll give you our I'll give you our excuse or rationale. If you're on our website, you know I wrote a whole recap post-mortem on this. My wife found out funny we're calling this a post-mortem in recruiting because it's not like Williams Winery has died or anything, but we're still a, you know, it's a post-mortem. So basically, what appears to me is that Williams Winery got a really huge NIL deal from Missouri in late July, decided he was going to take it, and basically played OU and Missouri off each other for the next two weeks to increase the deal. You can, I'll leave everybody to make their own judgments on how you feel about that, but basically he used OU to basically increase Missouri's offer, and that's why the our OU internal sources were so confident because Basically, they were not getting any negative. They weren't getting any negative feedback from the, the team Winery. They weren't basically getting the, the the truth. And maybe they got it from Jamar Mosey, and maybe OU is like, well, we're just going to play out the string. And maybe internally, OU just couldn't believe Winery was going to choose Missouri either. Uh, a little bit like Caleb, who just can't quite process uh, why the number one player, one number one defensive player, number one player in the country, is choosing a football program that has been as bad as consistently as Missouri. Uh, it's it's almost like he chose Vandy uh, to a certain perspective. Uh, I would say it's almost like he chose Kansas State, but even that would be more understandable than Missouri. Oh, I mean, Kansas uh, State beat Missouri's tail. And they're going like to wear out their hide again uh, coming up. So um, that's that's why we got it wrong. Our internal OU sources, which have been good to us on our website in terms of the things we projected and talked about, have been accurate all year long. They just they they still felt confident, and maybe OU wasn't reading this situation right. I I I don't want to throw any stones at any OU coaches because it's hard to tell what they were being told, when they were being told. We're, you know, I know you certainly can't have a press conference to defend themselves. Um, you know, we know Williams Ranieri said Georgia was number two. Was that accurate? I don't know. I mean, if he, if he wasn't taking the NIL deal from Missouri, maybe Georgia with their uh, championship profile and uh, NFL production at defensive line was, was his number two choice. I don't know. But regardless, um, he's not going to – he didn't choose OU – and Caleb, we've talked around and about this in our admin chat. This isn't Peyton Bowen. I, I don't. Oh, you can can say they're going to continue to recruit him, and some people can say, "What well, is a chance they can flip him?" Right now, August seventeenth. I, I don't see this isn't Peyton Bowen. He's not. He, he's, he's not going to make. Uh, he's not going to be. At, he's not going to make his way up to OU four or five times during the season. He doesn't have a Jackson Arnold kind of co-pilot on his team where they're just tied at the hip and Jackson Arnold's coming to OU like every other weekend and he can just get a ride. So, and logistically it's not, you know, there's a distance issue here as well. It's not as close as just, you know, Denton to Norman. And, unless Isaiah Mosey commits to OU and he and to carry more, uh, you know, get down. Um, yeah. Four or five lot. times. And, they, and, and, and when Aerie comes with them, I mean, that's even, that's even, I, I think a, a bigger debate there. So, I agree. I, I don't. I 
everyone's saying, well, maybe Missouri will have a terrible season. Well, they sucked last year. And we had a bad, oh, you had a bad season. But that's our first bad season in 24 seasons. This is like basically the average season for Missouri since Gary Pinkle left. And even the before, average season really before, before Gary Pinkle. Yeah. Um, you know, before Brad Smith and, and, um, and uh, Chase McDaniels. Um, you know, before those times, Missouri was bad. You know, and they had Corby Jones, I guess, in the 90s, if I'm digging the cobwebs of my school. Corby 90, Jones. Of my 90s. <laughs> I think that's right. Is that right? It is correct. I remember uh, Andy Katzenmoyer blew him up when they played. Yeah, you know, if you, um, yeah. I, I, I've tried to suppress the Sooner 90s as much as possible, but sometimes uh, the Achilles, Achilles Smiths and, and, uh, and, and Corby Jones and all those kind of names sometimes, sometimes sort through. But yeah, I mean, Missouri football is just bad. So it's, he's going to not choose Missouri after they are really bad. And they, and if they fire, if they fire, uh, Drinkwitz, the next coach will just, you know, just keep signing and keep, keep the NIA deal going and, and he'll sell. No, no, I'm the guy who's really going to rebuild Missouri. It's this time it's going to work. So I, I don't see a flip happening. Um, you know, if he starts showing up in Norman with Mosey and he's, you know, and he's like, I'm hanging out with Caden Green all weekend. And he and, you know, there's a certain narrative out there. And I, I we don't talk to Williams Winery. We have not talked to them. I've not interviewed him. So I don't have any opinion here one way or the other. But if Williams Winery really was really had OU as his favorite, his family forced Missouri on him. Yeah, maybe there's a chance, but I, I just, I, it doesn't sound like that's true. It sounds like Georgia is probably his second favorite, um, just going off his, his quotes. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think, I think that's, that's, we're about eight minutes in, and I think that's about as much time as I want to give the, well, uh, the, let me, the, let me say, I, you want to, you, you need to air, do you need some, do you need some highway here? Well, I, I do think this, right? I, okay. I, uh, I have a couple, like, uh, trains of thought with this one. I will say I felt like for a little while with him in particular, and I, I hate to say this because there's another guy that's announcing in like ten days that probably would would fit the same mold. Yeah, you know what I mean, okay. it's, it's I like know where you're going with this. There are there are times when you know uh, there's a perceived leader for a long period of time, yet someone keeps going and taking all the other visits, and the, and it's like, well, they just want to they just want to make sure they're going to do this, they're going to run all the traps. Sometimes that that's true a lot of the time, but a good amount of the time, it's also true that they're actually the perceived leader. That's maybe a little false. And what they're really looking for is like, you know, uh, a reason not to go there. It's like, yeah, I really like them, but there's something that's not quite right or I would be committed there. So I'm going to keep looking until I find that something that is right. Maybe that thing that is right is seven figures. I don't know. Uh, right. But so, but, you know, so there's that. Now, the whether or not he could flip to Oklahoma, flip to Georgia or anywhere else before tonight, I would have thought, no. I think he'll go to Missouri, and I still do think he'll sign with Missouri. I do not think he'll finish in Missouri. Like Drinkowitz is his best year he's had there was COVID five and five, right? They were the last two years they've been what five and seven both years. They're lucky. I don't think they've had any season where they've beat more than one or two Power Five teams in a season. You know, because they do the they do the SEC schedule where they play in in Abilene Christian or four. They got four out of conference games and usually three of them are cupcakes. 
like and when it, by cupcakes, it's like it's not just it's group cup, of five. It's cupcake. It is. It's like it is one cupcakes. double A. Like they played Abilene Christian, who when I was in school was recruited by because they were Division two, right? It is, uh, this is this is this is Georgia playing Furman. Yeah, you know, in places like you know the, you know small colleges that they have like no business playing. I mean, I mean that's not even that, that's not the, fair the, to the Paladins. That's not fair to the Paladins because Furman <sighs> would beat the socks off Abilene Christian. Probably. Okay, well I there you that. go. Right? Maybe Abilene Christian's even, gotten better. There's even a continuum in like there, right, in bad schools. So you're yeah. right because you talk about Furman like being a historical like kind of a power in one double A. Okay. In yeah. Abilene Christian, you're talking about like a regional school in Abilene, Texas, that for forty or fifty years was Division two or in NAIA and then Division two. Okay, all right. And only recently, like in the last three or four years. Years have they kicked up to one double A or whatever it's called now? But uh, that oh, was oh, here's you, where I was going to go oh, with this. Okay, is before tonight I wouldn't have thought there was a chance. Uh, All right, and also I'll, I'll put this in there as well. The whole like is was Oklahoma one or two, right? Or I'm sorry, two or three or whatever. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But the whole like, is there a chance? The fact that he showed up to a scrimmage in Tulsa wearing OU Jordan cleats and OU gloves tells you there is some air of he enjoys drama and he enjoys trolling people. That's okay. that's just the reality of it. So the or, whole thing or, of like was Missouri Oklahoma, is, yeah, was Missouri Oklahoma such a suck ass program they don't have gloves and cleats? Like, no, you know he's got them. Right. Okay. You know, he's got him and he's got him from Georgia and he's got him from every school he's gone to. Right. And his high school's got him. And, you know, I'm sure Nike and Adidas and everybody else would be happy to sign him up to those deals. They sign up basketball players and, you know, and like a, an early right. deal. OK, it, that is that's troll. That's like, hey, look, look what I'm doing here. Uh, so okay. you know, given that, given that, I also don't know. It's always one of these deals of like. I believe him in that moment that maybe he says Georgia was number two. Do I believe right. that to be true overall? You know, not really. Uh, uh, maybe. But I also, again, it goes, you know, it's like in I that moment. Bowen was chose between Oregon and Notre Dame and ends up with the OU national letter of intent. And it's probably going to exactly. start. May you start. See, may, may start on, on uh, that's such a three good point. I didn't even three think weeks. about that. In when two he weeks, announced. Right? Yeah, you're, you're right. When he announced. That was no, he no, Oregon, no OU hat. Yeah. I was, he said, I was like I, looking was, at the table. I'm like. Yeah. Where's, he said it's Oregon, or, Oregon, like, or Notre Dame, and then he signs like, with OU. So, well, he signed with Oregon, depending upon depending on you know how much we're you know we'll go down no, that it's, rabbit, it's not, that rabbit. If it's not faxed in, it don't count. It doesn't count. Everyone's saying faxed in. Is my understanding it's a website at this point? Oh, it's probably probably scanning. It's like a cam scanner or something, okay. right? You probably right. take, you probably yeah. probably take a Where picture you of find, it. And, you're relying on some poor you know 18 year old kid at a at a uh, UPS store hasn't used a fax machine for like. You know, six months. Anyway, that's off. To, uh, uh, we'll get off. We'll get off. Our, you know, old architecture, old technology, chat podcast. We'll get going on that later. But we're still on recruiting. So, all right, Caleb. So, are we, are we ready to? It's with the thirteen minute mark. Are we? Re, do we have we given Williams enough time here? Have we given this? Have we buried this enough? Can we play taps and move on? I think so. I mean, okay. you know, it's well, well uh, obviously, guys. If if there's any hint that this is being re-engaged will be all over this story and, and well, people I, I don't to talk about Oklahoma, it. I don't think Oklahoma will walk away, but at the same time, uh, you know, well, they don't have an official I visit. Think, to I use. think, I think, I think the way the rule is written, correct. If I'm not mistaken, of course, a lot of people don't understand it is as of September one, NIL money can start flowing his way while they're in Missouri. And there's if, no telling if, if he can, if, if this whole, 
if he's willing to sign a uh, financial aid that? agreement. Yeah, well, the financial yeah. aid agreement is non-binding. It no, just binds the school it's, to him. No, no, he can no. Do whatever it's, he wants. It's, yeah, it's it's not worth the paper. It's written on in terms of NCA eligibility, clearinghouse. Well, I'm just meaning it's non-binding. Or any it's, of that it's, stuff. it's not. Yeah, it's mean, not binding. It, 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 it's non-binding for him. He could sign four grant and aid paperwork. Yeah, he yeah. could sign with OU, one with Georgia. He could tell their NILs to start sending him money. Because well, just mean Georgia- if he was if he was a true troll, what you would do is you would you know, and if he didn't want to go to Missouri and he actually wanted to be a top five pick and you want to go to Georgia, let's say, right? You would you would build your NIL deal so as upon you signing the uh, the aid agreement, the first year's payment of the one million that it's was up front, guaranteed up front, all would up be front. up front. Yeah. yeah. And then you go, okay. And then Drinkowitz, they go four and whatever, or five and whatever. And you go, all right, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. So, um, so the one thing uh, uh, it does highlight is we got to move on on defensive end recruiting. OU has Wyatt Gilmore, the defensive end from Minnesota. We like Wyatt. We think he's kind of sort of a bigger, strong side defensive end. Yeah. He's a three star. Maybe he becomes a fringe low four star. I'm not really sure. Um, we'll see what we'll see what happens there. But OU needs to move on with defensive end recruiting, and at least it needs to at least get one more player that uh, that is a, tr- a true defensive end. So uh, Caleb, obviously the first name that jumps to mind, a name we have been all over on this podcast even before we thought OU had a chance of recruiting him, is Danny Okoye. That's the number one name that comes to mind. That makes Danny Okoye that much more important. His official visit for OU is coming up in about two weeks for the home opener. Uh, he had a great time at the party at the Palace, it looked like, interacting with OU verbal commitments. Uh, played basketball with Davon Mitchell. I think Davon and, and Okoye are, I don't want to say they're quite twins, but physically they're, they're, both, they're both six foot four, six foot five, 245 pound freaks. Uh, as if you didn't see the Davon Mitchell one handed catch, uh, Twitter video that's been sent around. Uh, look it up, Davin Mitchell, Unreal Catch. Uh, Davin catches the football and makes it look really, really small catching it. So I think OU's in a good place with Danny Okoye. I wouldn't say OU is like a slam dunk super lock for him, but they did, they've did. they done a good job getting a focus with him, getting attention with him, and now they've got their official visit, so it's time to really put some put some points on the board in this recruiting. But – Really, I, I've made the argument, uh, and I think I'm stealing kind of your argument, that if OU were to get Danny Okoye, the, the margin between Winieri and Okoye at defensive end is, is so potential, their potential, their ceilings. And everyone who's, well, if you've been watching Danny Okoye on Twitter, you're following him on X, sorry, you see he's he's basically lifting small buildings and... uh Doing everything to be in his and to be in like elite physical shape. He he looks like eleven billion dollars, uh, basically. Um, so I so Caleb, what what do you think about that? If I'm basically saying, if you could get Danny Okoye just at the defensive end slot for OU, you're basically you've, you're basically neutralizing about ninety percent of the loss of getting Williams Winery. Oh yeah, no. I- I, I agree completely. I think, uh, again, right, like it was when we talked a little bit about in, in terms of like just building a team and, and all of those things. Uh, I, I think Noweri is a 
the top strong side defensive end. It's what he's listed at. And he's, you see the pictures from this week from tonight at the scrimmage. He's a big, thick guy. He's a strong side defensive end. Uh, Oklahoma's got Wyatt Gilmore, who's in that 6'5", 250 pound range. Uh, really, you know, he's, I think, a he's a Brent Venables type of, type of guy. I know Barry's probably not as high on him as I am, but again, I like a lot of the, it's like the same thing with Bothroyd. I like a lot of the small stuff with uh, Wyatt Gilmore, right? Uh, which I think is, it just gets overlooked a lot. You know, people fall in love with height, weight, speed, and forget about some of the other stuff. But, uh, you know, Danny is, you know, he's again, he is the best edge player the state of Oklahoma has ever produced inside of this recruiting era, which really began around 2002 with rivals. He's hands down the best edge player, uh, most talented, you know, maybe is the best way of putting that. So, you know, in, so getting, I get it. Uh, Williams is, is a five-star and a top 10 player, top five player, number one, I think composite. I really do not. And we've been really consistent in this. I think Danny is a top 25, top 30 player in the country. There's just not a huge gulf between those two. And again, when you're talking about building, you know, an entire roster and a team, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you look, go back and you look at their two college careers and they both max out their potential as players, if you told me, in particular, especially if Danny goes and plays in Brent Venable's scheme and, and Williams plays it in Mizzou, I'll, I, I'll bet you, even if they didn't, right, even if they went to you know, comparable yeah, schools. Campuses, right? I don't. I don't think there's going to be a big gap between the number of pressures, sacks, and TFLs that Danny has, and and what Williams is able to do. Uh, I just think they're they're both that talented of players. You know, they're both. Uh, I think we've joked about this a little bit, right? Like, it's uh, was it Josh Allen, the defensive end out of Kentucky, top ten pick, plays for the not Jaguars. Josh, not Josh Allen. Um, I think it is. You keep saying it's Jason Allen. Is it Jason Allen? Yeah, because Josh Allen's the quarterback. No, I think they have the same name. They have the same name? Okay. Exact right. same name. Yeah, it is Josh Allen. I, to All me, right. okay. and they're built almost the exact same. So Josh coming out of Kentucky was, you know, he's 6'5", 6'4", and 7'8", right? 260 yep. pounds. A little bit sawed off comparatively to someone like uh, a Chase Young. And I think that's kind of the comp, like the best high-end comp for Williams Noary. Although I'm not sure, looking at him in the lower half today, kind of talked about this, I'm not sure he's not going to be significantly heavier than that and be 280 pounds and, and be admit more of a, like a Robert Kendichi type. You know, he's, he's pretty thick in the lower half. Uh, but, I mean, look, you know, I've said this a bunch, and I'll say this again. Like the impact of losing Williams and Awari is in direct proportion to Oklahoma's ability to sign a Koye Stone McKinley. And I can throw McKinley in there a lot. And the reason I throw McKinley in there, and I think I'm probably the only person, whether it's in our own group or among the other like recruit Knicks that thinks this, I think he's as, as important as any of those guys for two reasons. One, I harp on this a lot, and we talked about it before. The most the best way, the most impactful way to really, you know, uh, get after a quarterback is, is a straight line, which is interior pressure. If you can push the pocket from the interior, you're really going to get after him. But the other part of that is, uh, you know, Williams Nowhere going to Missouri. Missouri's horrible. He does very little for them. They're not going to go sign a five-star quarterback and, you know, and, and really fix that thing. Okay. Like he, they're still going to go and, and do what they do and be at the bottom, uh, most likely. But Texas is 
on the uptick. They are signing really good players. And Oklahoma's main competition for McKinley is Texas. Appears to be. Yeah, it appears to be. And it could be Texas A&M and it could be Ohio State. But what we've heard from people, our source for since since June has been really consistent. At best best data point was McKinley was an OU-UT battle and they thought OU... Oh, you like like their chances, and this was in, this was for his, when his barbecue weekend visit occurred, which is the yeah, last. This is before this is before anybody last, else knew it was Texas. Yeah, the last real touch point that we that we confidently had. So yeah, but, but beating yeah. getting him like not only is that another five star defensive tackle that you're able to pair next to hopefully Gilmore and Okoye, he's not at Texas, and you don't see him every October, and he's not also helping Texas try to beat LSU, try to beat A and M try to beat Alabama. That's what you don't want. You don't want a potential first round defensive tackle going to Texas and helping elevate that program up. In my opinion. Yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting. We're, we're, we'll, we're going to go in depth on David Stone and probably, and probably the following week we'll go a little more in depth on Dominic McKinley in terms of our broadcast uh, schedule. Uh, if if David's we're going to try and maybe do something on the Saturday David Stone commits, depending upon how that went. Um, but uh, I, the other point, I mean, I went back and looked at Nigel Smith's film after this decision. And. And Caleb, I really think, you know, and Nigel Smith's the next answer. What does OU do at defensive end? Really? Right. You add Nigel Smith. And to me, he becomes a little more valuable as a bigger defensive end, potentially on the other side from from P.J. Adeware. And when you look at Nigel, it's there's a lot to like as him as a big defensive end. He's already 6'5", you know, in the 260 range. That's what he told me when I interviewed him. And I, I, when you look at him, I, you know, I, I, he's, he makes, he's making a lot of plays. He's just a lot of positional versatility from him. So that's the other big position. So I think Nigel, we talked about Nigel not getting enough love last week. We'll continue our Nigel Smith love fest and say, uh, I think if you could get Okoye and Nigel Smith to go with Wyatt Gilmore, that puts you in a great position defensive end depth-wise because um, at a minimum, Nigel Smith, you know, if, if he stays at the 260 range, he's going to be a big defensive end for you with a lot of, lot of power, good mobility, um, and, you know, and there's, there's a good ceiling there as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I... I don't know if he will stay at defensive end. He's such a thick, yeah. big kid. And again, you, you just never know how some of these kids' bodies uh, are going to grow. I think probably more than ever in the last 10 or so years, you, you've seen guys that, uh, yeah, honestly, I mean, like there's, uh, I'm trying to think, it was a defensive tackle that signed with uh, UCLA. And I come out of high school, he was, who was this kid? He was all tatted up. I have to look this up. Uh, he played outside linebacker, though, for the Patriots. So in high school, he was a 275-pound defensive tackle that went to UCLA, and you expected, oh, he's going to be a 290-pound three technique. No, he ended up being a 250-pound outside linebacker. And then John Simon, that's like an old name from like 2007, 2008, uh, same type of thing. He was from Cardinal Mooney. I mean, he was just a powerlifting champion. He was 265 pounds, uh, nose tackle in high school, maybe 270. And you would thought, you thought the same thing. Signs with Ohio State, he's going to be a, you know, a defensive tackle. He ended up, same thing, ended up being 250 pounds, played defensive end there, and then played outside linebacker in the NFL. And so Nigel Smith may go, may go that pattern. He may, he may be kind of fully mature. He'll just shed some, 
you know, any bit of bad weight and stay at, you know, a really, you know, impressive looking 270, 275 and play, play defensive end, uh, or, or he might end up at a really athletic 290 pound, you know, still lean at that three technique. But I think we talked about last week. I think he gives you so much flexibility. Uh, you know, he does the only thing he seems to be like the forgotten guy. I hope that, yeah. Uh, I hope that's not the case love, for him. We, we, we love you, Nigel. Um, so, like I said, I had a great interview with him. He's just a great kid. So, you know, good luck to him wherever his decision's coming up. Good luck to him wherever he decides to go. So, a name that's still floating around is Zeno Umazulu at defensive end. I, I think he's heading to Texas. I think whatever momentum OU had in June with him is starting to, to, to filter down. So, I think, you know, his brother plays at Texas. I think this is kind of a – he may string it out for a while, but I, I don't think he's going to be part of the OU class. So. The question I get asked sometimes is, well, is, are there other players that you should offer? Are there, are there other players that you should, should grab? I'm like, well, it's defensive end recruiting. It's, you know, it's, finding a diamond in the rough defensive end is not very easy. So one player that OU's been pretty connected with is C.J. Jackson from Tucker, Georgia, in my part of the country, in Atlanta. And he's 6'4", 230, pass rushing defensive end, edge. Um, really good-looking player. He's committed to Georgia Tech, and he's been flirting with OU. And I'm pretty sure OU has an official visit with him left. So if OU decides that they wanted to bring in another – one thing about this this coaching staff versus that previous regime, they're always working the backup plan, right? They are always making sure that they have plans upon plans so they're not caught on signing day and, and are under signing positions by two or three. Um, so basically that's, that's another name. And, and again, I, I really like him on film. He would be a good edge rusher. He really gets after the quarterback and he plays top level talent in the Georgia area. So when you're watching his film, there's not that question of competition because you, you know, the schools he's going up against. And then a name that's getting thrown around a little bit. I heard this on, uh, Scoob's podcast. Josh mentioned the name and I think it's kind of a natural name to kind of throw out there is, uh, a defensive end we really like on film, but we haven't really looked at him too much uh, because, you know, it really didn't uh, – we didn't look like it was going anywhere um, uh, from from that perspective. Is Benedict Yume from – or Yuma from Connecticut committed to Stanford over Penn State? OU had offered him. He's a very talented defensive end. As we know, we're not – this is not conference realignment podcast. <laughs> um, Caleb and I could go 35 minutes on the state of Stanford football the last 20 years alone. And we won't do that to you guys because this is a recruiting cop podcast. We're going to stick to our topic. Uh, but Stanford's in a tough position. So, um, and again, the weird, I mean, Caleb, one of the, you know, I do mention these names because the other element to remember is there's unlimited visits. So yeah. you may, could you may, in the past, you'd be like, well, these kids are out of five, these kids are out of official visits. Oh, you can't sweep in and make any quick momentum with with these guys, and it's like, yeah, well, that's that that rules out the window. So this fall, OU could bring in, you know, I'm, I mean, Edric Houston's about to choose a high choose his college. It's probably Ohio State or Georgia, I think. I haven't been following that recruiting that heavily. That seems what it's like, like likely it's going to be. You know, and OU doesn't. OU didn't. Uh, Edric Houston never visited OU. Could this this fall, Edric? Make a commitment, then see some other commits go by and decide, well, maybe I want to take another look at Oklahoma. Could OU bring in an Edric Houston? 
sure. Uh, you got to you got to watch your you got to watch your visit numbers, which are at seventy. And OU, I think, with Zerbrug. Um, Caleb, did anybody else visit, officially visit? Um, would Zerbrug visited for the party at the palace? Was that the only official visit? I think it was. I think there were more, but I I think I, I was thinking there was someone else, but it may have been just well. Uh, one of my favorite players I know was I think uh, had his official that weekend. And we Andy got Bass? Jason Ross. No, he wasn't. He was earlier. I thought he was 16th with that party at the palace. No, no, sorry. That's the barbecue you. I'm talking the, the end of July uh, event. The end of July. It's okay. 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 Between the Sooners Under the Stars, party at the palace, and the barbecue you, I think I've confused each one of them for the other at least once on this podcast. So the party at the palace at the end of August, Brandon Zerbrug visited, and that's when OU got their commitment from him. So OU's at about like 53 official visits used, and they want a Koye. Uh, Daniel uh, Akinkimi, and we'll mention another name coming up in a minute. So you know, and they want to have they need to have some 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 portal visits in December, so they don't get tight like last year, where they probably had two or three kids they maybe could have made a move on, but they couldn't bring them in for official visits. So yeah, there's a couple of names out there that could get interesting at, at the defensive end position, but I think C.J. Jackson's the one that comes to mind. Georgia Tech is. It's a good football program, good academics, but if OU really pushed with some with a with an NIL message as well, I, th- I think they could flip CJ Jackson if they wanted to, and he would be. And he's ranked as high as like in the top 100 one of the recruiting services. So this is no, this isn't like a you know everyone's like oh it's a Plan B guy. No, it, it is a weird. He is an interesting one because he was projected to be. At, at the, the party, the party of the past, and then it was like it got out. Maybe it wasn't supposed to. And yeah. he said, "No, I'm not. I'm not." I will say, and I know. I think we've touched on this on the board. We've chatted on it a lot. I can see like Jason Ross is still probably the most like uniquely interesting guy in yeah, this. Yeah, it's bizarre. And it's I bizarre. don't understand what's going on. I I posted yeah. on, on on the board two four seven. He even said what he said. His quote to the Nebraska two four seven was, "He's probably the least day to day involved guy." in the country when it comes to recruiting, that he's just not involved in it day to day. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means mom and dad are coaches, uncle, wink, wink, or if it just means I really don't care about this from a day to day perspective. I'm not letting it consume me. And I'm just going to do this when I do this. But again, like the, I think the reason he's probably the most interesting to me is, and I'll kind of go back to similar to what I, I said about like Danny and and William or Williams, right? Is I think Jason Ross has got that level of ability as a pass rusher. If you he gets yeah, the in ce- the ceiling on him oh is my like God. whoa. I mean, he is six four, two twenty five. I mean, absolutely. In about a year and a half, he's going to be first off the bus. Like that dude is going to be twit. freak and, looking and, and twitchy as they come. Yeah, Long he arms. Used that, he used that trite term, you know, the twitch thing. Like, oh, he's got twitch. You know, it's like he that, is. He he is so. All yeah. right, so yeah. we, we 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 gotta roll back just for a second here. Um we're recording this Thursday night. Uh Lee Summit North is in Tulsa doing a scrimmage with Union and George Stoya, uh uh the with Suda Scoop doing a good job. George is George's a good guy, good reporter, you know, NFL guy, um, you know, doing stuff for a Suda Scoop. He just, I think he's at, I guess he's at the game. He posted this on Twitter. Um, so I, 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 if it's not George Story's quote, I apologize. And I'll, 
let please someone please let me know if it's somebody else's. But George Stoy is the tweet that just got forwarded. It's got sent over to us. Williams Ranieri's wearing OU gloves and cleats at his game tonight. And he says, I had to show some love. They're still recruiting me, and I'm going to let the season play out. But I'm committed to Missouri, just having fun with it. Guys, that, that comment right there is what drives people who follow recruiting like me absolutely crazy. Because it's, we're, in, we're, in, we're in dumb and dumber mode, right? So, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? You know, you, you know uh, Lauren Holly's character tells Jim Carrey, like, there's no possible ever way anything could ever possibly happen between us. And he says, so I still have a chance, right? So, it, you know, so that's, that's where we are with that. Um, just just one too fun. It's like, yeah, one in a million. So, one in a million. Saying, so a I chance. still have a chance. Like, okay, you know, I'm trying to let you down as easy as possible. You're just, you're just not getting it. So, oh, you fans, do – do with that of what you want. Um, with today's with today's social media stuff and kids trying to keep up their brand and attention, who, who knows? So, all right, Caleb, we we've we've we're thirty five minutes in. I think that's enough defensive end recruiting. How, can we talk about something a little more positive and something a little more directly positive? Are you ready for that? Yes, yeah, shoot. Jade Nickens verbal to OU on Saturday, and we have not had a chance to talk about that. In any way, shape, or form, I love Nickens on film. He's going to be a top 100 player consensus, I think. When you look at footage from the summer camp stuff, stuff he did with Kevin Sperry, he looks fantastic. He's a big receiver. He's kind of got that small receiver set of skills too. So, Caleb, I didn't let you talk too much about him because we wanted to hold back. Can you can you go ahead and give me a little bit of an eval on on Jaden Nickens to? to give some positive to move, to move this along in a more positive beat here. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I am with you. I, I think Elijah Thomas, you know, so the other in-state receiver that they've got committed. I mean, I do, I think he's a top 50 guy. Uh, I've heard Josh at scoop compare him to say that he's the best in-state receiver he's seen since Robert Meacham, which the name, so much the, the name that cannot be mentioned, right? Don't like Usually, that name. I haven't mentioned that uh, name in person directly for like for about five years. <laughs> He was like Voldemort. He was the Voldemort of OU recruiting or Candyman. You, you just didn't say his name number of times because bad things, bad shit would just happen. But, yeah, but he was. He was in high school. Meacham was an absurd talent at Booker T. Washington. I mean, he. I, it was like it was talked about a lot. He went to one of those Nike camps and measured six three. So maybe six two and a half, but right they rounded up six three. I think one hundred ninety eight or two hundred two pounds, and he ran an electronically timed four two eight. And everybody was like, oh, my God. And, the, and yeah, so he was obviously a stud. I think he uh, obviously played in the NFL and had a good career and whatnot. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I think Thomas is, is the best that we've seen in a while. I think Nickens is, is right there. Uh, Nickens, he's a different type. He's a different Very build. different. Very so that's different. what I like. Is that not the same guys? You, he is you know. He's not. He's a... Uh, I don't want to say he's like he is this guy, like he's not Marvin Harrison Jr., right? But he's he's in that type of like from a physical perspective, I think what he'll grow into, you know, right now he's 6'3", 190 pounds, and he is a legitimate power five division one basketball player. He spends this is where he's really unique, where everyone else is spending 
kind of every weekend and all their spare time with seven on seven teams and trainers. He spends all his spare time hooping it up at a really, really high level. And some it's of his hoop stuff is around the court. Yeah. I mean, like there's some really impressive stuff against some other really good players. You see him come down the court and he, he'll jump in the lane, swats the ball away, takes it, goes back down the court and stuffs it away. Like he's just a, he's a unique guy. But the other thing with that is like he is six three. He is 190 pounds and he's super lean. I mean, he looks skinny. But he looks big though. And then with that, the commitment, yeah, center, that's I'm, the like, thing. I'm like, I'm that's like, the wow, weird that thing. Kid, he's not six yeah. two, one eighty. That kid, no, that kid might be closer to six four. Might be closer to on his way to two hundred pounds before we know what the hell's happening. Easily, yeah. I think that like one of the comps I gave was uh, was Keon Coleman. So I think yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. a little bit better body control. Like I think he's he's got like looser hips than Keon. Like it's, it's something about Jaden. A little that's more really of the impressive. small, the, a little more of the small receiver type of stuff, right? He, yeah, some of those tunnel screens and stuff he runs. It's that's like to say. Yeah, that's like he's moving around like a small guy. Like I thought, is he is he really six three? Because he's moving. Yeah, he, he's he's. He's he's not he's not stiff or mechanical. No, those, no, he's got those, he's got those the words ability. Don't, those words don't come at all when you look at yeah. Him. He's got the ability on some of that like quick game to you know really again like you said there it's it's quick feet but it's also the ability to like drop his hips then flip his hips and change direction and get going the other way and accelerate and you see it same thing on some of those jump balls he'll go up and he's just able to I, I guess it's probably some of the basketball in him you know he's able to go up and completely you know redirect his body in midair uh, flip around and snag the ball I you know. And it, I, it could be a chance he plays basketball at Oklahoma. He is that good of a basketball player. Uh, I, I think, you know, if he does, it's probably one year, maybe two. I think where I was going with there that it, with that though is once he is focused in my mind on just football, I, I think he's going to end up being your prototypical guy that has been rare. He's just rare. You know, it's the type of guys you see drafted high in the NFL in the sense of like, he's going to trot out there six foot three, 215 pounds running four, you know, four, five, uh, four, five flat, maybe, maybe a little under that and able to, you know, Looks fast those, and pads though, right? Well, Not so that's the thing get, with, with yeah. guys like that, right? The reason those guys are so rare is okay. If you've got a corner, that's, you know, a Trey Brown, right? That's 5'10", 200 pounds and can absolutely run. Well, okay, I will muscle you up all day long. You know, I mean, uh, you know, like that little brother, yeah, I can put my hand out there and touch you and you're two feet from me, uh, you know. Right. And you get some of these really big corners that you're seeing more of in the NFL that are 6'2, 6'3, even maybe larger. The, the, Tariq, saying, the Tariq Woolen, the Tariq Woolen. Yeah, kind of hey, effect, right? hey uh, uh, yeah, I can play with this guy physically. What, you, what those guys can't do, though, is like it's, it's rare that those guys have the ability, like we talked about, right, to drop their hips, turn, you know, accelerate, you know, and, and that's his, his ability then to, you know, separate from those guys. You know, I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, it's going to be interesting. He's he is very much unlike those five star receivers that Riley signed. Where again, they were more of hey, by the time they were juniors in high school, I mean, or going into their junior years, like those between their sophomore and junior year, when they were going to camps, and everybody said, hey, that's a five star. I mean, Theo Weiss is dominating um, uh, Stingley, right? Yeah, and I don't at mean that, this at in that like camp, a at that camp. But yeah, just, I mean, but we never saw that guy. Never. 
We never saw that guy in a Sooner jersey. Ever. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, and I don't mean this to be mean to like Theo and Trajan and yeah, Jaden, yeah. but what they were athletically and what they were as a football player at 16 and 17, it's kind of like Leonard Fournette, right? It's like it was the exact same thing four or five years later. Yeah, same yeah. size, same speed. It's just kind of the same thing. They just were these guys that really matured really early, were very good football players, but were able to dominate, you know, lesser guys. And I think Jaden's the opposite of that, where he's got all this runway of development and like what he's going to grow into is like, I don't know, you know, an all American wide receiver, maybe not, maybe so maybe a first rounder, like he's just got such potential and you don't know, because again, he's not spending every day, you know, with trainers and all these things. He's, you know, he's out there competing against future NBA players on the, on the hardwood. Yeah. The the interesting thing is with both Zion Kearney, and now Jade Nickens. I think you're talking about two and we and we know Emmett Jones has kind of a one of the one of the things in his in his his bag of tricks, so to speak, coaching wise, is he seems to really know how to get, get big receivers going, right? That yeah. really knows how to, to, to coach up big receivers. I mean Jared Bradley. He's, he's, well, it, you know, I I did when I for this site, wrote an article on that, and like when I really deep dive it, is it was more than just Bradley. There was like I think three different yeah, receivers yeah, yeah. at Tech that he coached that were all six four, six five, six six. There was another one at Kansas that he developed. And we got Eric uh, uh, Ezukuma. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even I didn't even account as Akuma. I was looking only guys that were north of six. Like, like, well, it's like basketball guys. So yeah, you're giving yeah, just, you're giving you're giving you're giving Emmett two basketball kind of guys with those sort of frames and range, but are also just unbelievably smooth athletes. Right? They're not mechanical. They're not stiff. I mean, it's it's I I would be interested to see because we're hearing I mean we're hearing good things about Nick Anderson, and we're also hearing some. We're also hearing, you know, Jaden Gibson is playing, has also had a pretty good camp, but Nick Anderson's kind of one of the names that has blown up and, and camp the last last couple of days, right? So you're just kind of wondering, you know, if, if Emmett can get Nick Anderson going and then you're giving him guys maybe more talented than Nick and and Kearney and maybe Nickens, you're just sort of viewing to me maybe a big white maybe, you know, I, I posted on our message board and I said the I mentioned something like the um uh, the big wide receiver graveyard of OU prospects. And I threw out like four names and I thought I had covered it. And then like everybody on our site, I think even, uh, you know, I think a couple of people on our site, uh, like Norm McGee and Soup Stain and uh, I yell a lot, you know, posted like five other names, right? They were like, well, here's some more names for you. So it's like, it was sad to see like the the progression of the, you know, I called it like the Dewan Miller, um, uh, uh, who was the guy that went to Arkansas State um, from Oklahoma? Oh. Dodge, Dodge. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, I, I was, I was uh, rattling off those names, and then more and more names got added by by our fans on by our, by our great posters. And I'm just like, you know, the OU big, the tall OU wide receiver graveyard. Um, it'd be nice if Emmett Jones could, um, could 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 you know lock lock, you know, batten that door, you know. Um, uh, you know, demolish it and put and and demolish it and start moving forward. So, because with Dickens, Kearney, uh, even Carry Carry on has some interesting skills. You know, it would be it would be nice to put put an end to that. So, in other news, uh, the first piece of news is interesting. So, Caleb, I, I had thrown around Jordan Seaton on this podcast like a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, 
just been on our website, folks, on my five thoughts. I know I've mentioned Jordan a couple of times. He's a DC area product who's now to IMG. And according to On3 and both 247, they have interviews with Jordan. Credit to both those guys. Uh, they went down to an IMG event, I believe, that OU had an IMG. It was IMG had an event. Brandon Drum from OU Insider went down there as well. Um, so lots of good content coming out of IMG from that, from that event. Uh, Jordan Seaton's talking about an OU official visit, uh, 9.30 for the Iowa State game. And again, OU has IMG connections right now with Jaden Jackson and, and, and hopefully David Stone, double fingers crossed, you know, um, I'm tapping on wood, everything I can do possible on luck there. And, you know, Seaton visited OU unofficially last fall and was talking up OU big time. And he has some, he has some, I think, some connections back to Anton Harrison. They're both from the D.C. area. So I think I'm not going to imply they're like best friends, but I think they know of each other. He knows Anton. And it's not hard to see Anton going in the first round and know Bill Biedenbaugh created that. So, so Caleb, Jordan Seaton could be a, a serious wild card in terms of uh, the O-line recruiting that we're seeing uh, go on. We've got Daniel Ekinkumi visiting on the on the first weekend. If you're on our website, you've heard me talking a lot, a lot about Eddie Pierre-Louis. I'll give you just a hint. OU and Eddie Pierre-Louis is a huge story still. So if, if OU was to somehow end with Grant Bricks, who we're still waiting to hear a final decision on, and Eddie Pierre-Louis and Jordan Seaton, that, that would be one hell of an offensive line class out of, out of, out of seeming the ashes of I was wondering if Bill 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 Biedenbaugh should be finding employment elsewhere. Elsewhere. Oh no! I mean, that would be an unreal class. I, I honestly, if they were able to pull Seaton, I mean, I, I uh, going back to uh, and you'll have to help me with names because there's so many coming at me, right? But the easily defense, the offensive tackle from Illinois. But what yes. was the the kids from Houston? Uh, Bennett Warren. Yeah, which like. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of Bennett Warren. I think it was, was the Weston Davis kid who we were, I think, a mm -hmm. little more of a fan of. Is that Weston Davis? Is that right? Yeah, Davis, like right. Weston Davis is real athletic. And Bennett Warren, you know, it's funny. I actually, to me, it's interesting to see him ranked really high on some on some He's uh, gotten sites. Heavier too. He's gotten bigger, too, according to some folks. Well, you know, it's interesting because, like, when I watch him and I watch uh, Aya Sosa, it's like, okay, I mean. I think Iosos is further along. Oddly enough, I think Iosos does a better job of playing with better pad level and getting his getting his butt dropping his butt down. And they're both reachers and grabbers that want to want to hug folks that need to fix that. Uh, but but Iosos is going to be playing guard and Ben is going to be playing tackle. So that's well, where he should be. He can only really play tackle because he. I don't think he's he can move inside. Yeah, he's so big. Uh, but man, no Jordan Seaton. I mean, he's. I think on three re ranked him or rivals did as a top offensive tackle in the country. And uh, I think he's I top like, 30. He's top 30. I like 30. Bricks's. I do. I probably like, I like Bricks quite a bit. I like his upside more. But if you told me Oklahoma and Landon Seaton and he walked into Norman and was fighting for the starting right tackle job next year, I'd say, yeah, I, yeah, I would yeah, He looks good on that. the hoof. And then, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a, really, he's, a, he's really he's far brick. along and yeah, he's really he's, far along and developed. You know, I didn't, I realized this too. He's a DC, he's a DMV area kid. So he's a DC yes, he kid. So you wonder if maybe Anton Harrison and Anton Harrison's at Jacksonville. Not far from IMG, I don't think. Right, IMG just down the road is at Orlando, maybe. Yeah, that's uh, a little, a little further, a little further, a little further. Where but is IMG at? IMG's in Sarasota. Okay, okay, Brain, yeah, Brandon, Sarasota. Yeah, it is, but yeah, not, not that far away. I mean, certainly yeah. the newspapers are going to have Jag stuff or 
newspapers. What yeah. am I talking and, about? And I'm Sorry. Just like, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, he if you're Bill Biedenbauer, you're sending you're sending tweets of Anton and and some and, and Camp. I mean, he's going to be everything I've read. The last time I read anything on him was that he was going to be a starting tackle for the Jags this year, right? They yeah, and this, of, this week there was suspensions. A, this week there was some video coming out of him working one-on-one against Aiden yeah. Hutchinson and winning the reps. That was like a big deal. But, I, I, you know, we'll see on Jordan Seaton. I feel like Oklahoma's got a really good chance because, again, ING kids probably more so than almost anybody else, right? They went to ING for a reason. This is about they're really talented guys that have a very clear goal of I want to play in the NFL, and this is my best path to getting there. My best path is to go to IMG, get developed, go into college, try to get in the NFL. Oklahoma's really got that to sell him to say, hey, look, best offensive line coach in the country. We're going to be playing in the SEC, and you've got a chance to come in and compete right away for a spot. Like if you, and, if and you we're think about you can to do lose. It, we're about to lose two tackles, probably yeah. in the first in the first second rounds of the NFL. Yeah, um, we need someone to come in and fight for a starting position. We got some other guys in on campus, but you enroll early. You know, you could be like Caden Green, and Caden Green's fighting too deep right now. Right, you could be easily Caden Green fighting too deep at offensive tackle and on the field if you if you beat out somebody. Um, so it's an interesting piece of news. I, I, I kind of threw that name. I like, well, maybe Jordan Seen one like below you when during the desperate donut hole times of about three, four weeks ago. And it, it may turn into something. Again, he's at IMG. If OU lands David Stone and you've got Jaden Jackson and they're talking up OU big time to Seton, who they're probably battling with every day in practice. I don't think it's a Hail Mary pass. There's all, every, I mean, he's, he's a five, he's going to be a five-star offensive tackle. A bunch of folks could be after him. But yeah. Bill certainly has a message to sell. And he visited OU on his own dime. So he's obviously got some level of interest in OU. And he's kind of coming back to OU's. And his recruiting is kind of wide open. So that's a good yep. story there. Um, we talked about Nate Roberts last week. Well, Nate Roberts has gone ahead and decommitted from Notre Dame. Notre Dame appears to have done something weird in his recruiting about recruiting another tight end when they told him they wouldn't. Or he's gone sideways with Notre Dame. That's a Notre Dame's about to get a commitment from another tight end. So I'm guessing that's maybe what it is. And this is so, so, so at what point, uh, Caleb, does OU need to give Caven Sperry an assistant recruiting coordinator check? Because it sounds like he has taken uh, Nate Roberts under his wing, worked out with him all summer, and is pretty much convincing, has done a great job in convincing Nate to reconsider OU. Joe John Finley's. I think obviously, you know, he's playing a role there. They got, I think they got their wires crossed a little bit with his brother's situation. And that was mainly because I think OU got Stogner so quickly that in late December, OU wasn't sure they had a ship for a second tight end or they didn't have official. They were, OU was really short on official visits last December. We talked about it on the pod. They couldn't bring in a, several players. They lost out on a couple of guys. It was really tight because um, they had McCullough and Rouse. And I missed on a couple of wide receivers who tied up some scholarships, who, sorry, Scott tied up some official visits. And OU wasn't sure if they were getting them or not. That was an addition to Andrew Anthony. So they kind of got sideways with his brother. Is it John Roberts? Is that right? Jake. Jake, who ended up at Baylor. Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake Roberts. um, Nobody's going to get that. Oh, no one's going to get that. (laughs) But if you were were a child of the 80s, 
let's just say Jake the Snake Roberts was a was a wrestling was a wrestling god and had the most devastating wrestling move in in uh, on TV. Uh, that you know, it, I don't know how a tight end could have a move called the DDT, but he needs to come up with one somehow. Uh, but anyway, so Jake Roberts went there. Oh, you and and they got a little bit sideways. Plus, I think Joe John Finney was so heavily recruiting Davin Mitchell because he knew he was going to reclassify. But I think Nate took Nate thought, well, that's the guy they want for 2025. So they're not really paying attention to me. And then right after Davin committed and reclassified, I think Joe John Finney's like, whoa, 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 you were my number one guy because I knew Davin was going to be 24. So you're not competing with him. You're going to be side by side with him, and there'll be some space. So you're not you're not in the same class. Don't worry about that. So I think that message has really helped. Now I think he's going to probably take some official visits, but it sounds like the push to to go to OU is from the family and the community in Washington. Plus, he's I mean, Sperry is going to drag him to home games. He's at I mean, Washington is what I think. Somebody on a podcast, it was like 25 minutes from OU's stadium. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I would assume I, I've, my brother lived there for a little while. Okay. All right. If, if Oklahoma plays a game on Saturday night, you, you, you basically see the stadium lights. So, 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 yeah. Uh, there's a, so, and we know Sperry is going to go to every home OU home game. And, um, you know, I, I think the Sperry's are going to probably, you know, buy like a, uh, like a nine-seat suburban to just go driving around the Oklahoma City area, picking everybody up for the games and taking them to taking and taking all the Carl, Carl Albert guys and and everybody there, everybody from the game to uh, uh, to go see it. So I think OU's in a great spot there. We talked a little bit about that. What Mitchell and Roberts would do for the tight end room. Uh, I mean, it's it's two top five tight ends, top one hundred guys. Back-to-back classes, it would, it would, it would. It, to me, if you get those guys on campus, it's it's time to start figuring out how you're going to use some more double tight end formations, especially with the OU running back depth. Right, you got yeah. two tight ends who can both block, and and you know, we we I, I talked all about Davin Mitchell likes to hit people, uh, he likes to bury people blocking. He told me that, and Nate Washington is is not afraid to hit a. To, to hit a dude either uh, as a blocking tight end. So, and he's also very athletic. I mean, we're talking about two real dual capability tight ends, not, not some six foot five, 210 pound guy who can't block anybody. We're talking both those kids are going to be six, five, 250, 245 blocking tight ends with real receiving um, home run kind of games. If you know, you're, you're, get, you're, you're talking about, you're talking about, you know, uh, yeah, both back to back classes, top, the top tight end or just, you know, top two, top three guys in that class. Yeah. And to your point, it's, it's a lot like, uh, it's like Oklahoma starting to build what Notre Dame has at tight end where, Hey, we're not going to just trot out a guy that's a receiver, right? right. It's just a glorified receiver. We're not going to trot out a, you know, a, a, a third offensive tackle. We're going to trot out like a an absolute complete player that uh, you know is going to give your safeties and linebackers hell all day long. Yeah, you're either you're either like man, that guy just buried me, or and then you're setting up to get buried again, and he just runs past you, and you're like, yeah. oh shit, because if we're even, yeah, you, he'd be leaving, right? That's the that's <laughs> a bad 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 version of that. So that's the Jake Roberts news. So 
Just some commitments coming up, a recap of some commitments coming up. Andy Bass, the walk-on running back, well, preferred walk-on running back, who's apparently, we're going to talk a little bit, a little scrimmage stuff next weekend once we get a chance to look at some Twitter videos and get some feedback from some folks. And then we've got uh, David Stone on 826. We're going to talk all about David Stone next week, next Thursday. We're going to record next Thursday, right before he announces. Braden Platt is 9-4. He's down to Oregon and Oklahoma, probably Oregon, but um, I'm, 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 I'm holding out hope for Oklahoma until he says otherwise. And I don't think OU has any linebacker backup plans going on. And then Terry, news that probably won't mean much to OU by the time 930 rolls around. Terry Bussey is going to make his decision there. OU's in his final group. Everyone says A&M or LSU. He's got a Bama official visit, and I think he's taking one other official visit. But OU's got some home games in September. So if he was to make another visit to OU, that could make things a little interesting. And OU could be, you know, OU gets Nigel Smith, who's uh, who's on nine eight as well, um, and was able to get David Stone and get a little momentum going. Grant Bricks, we think, will make a decision by the end of the month. Uh, Parker Thune from OU Insider has been up there quite a bit. That appears to be that appears to be the story going on there. So that's the commitment stretch coming up. We'll record next Thursday before David Stone. If we get positive news from David Stone, look for keep an eye out for something from us over that weekend uh, in terms of some coverage there. So, Caleb, I, I think we're back to the the one group that's kind of in question that still has some spots out there is defensive back and um, Eli Bowen. Uh, we're getting forecasts for OU, but still no date. Michael Boganowski is down at really K State and Oklahoma, it would appear. And, no date yet. Um, again, uh, OU Insider is uh, based us on Twitter feedback, going back and forth some stuff. Uh, appears to think that appears to be fairly confident Boganowski is going to show up for OU's first home game. And then Devin Jordan is down to a top five of OU, Alabama, TCU, OSU, and A and M. No date yet, but I would think that's probably an OU Alabama A and M battle. And I would hope OU is going to will come out on ahead for the talented Tulsa Union uh, cornerback there. So that's a that's a top. You know, if it's OU, Alabama, and A and M is his final three. You know, this services that still have him unranked. I I don't quite understand that. If you go as the services do sometimes seem to do by you know offers and final choices and in terms of rankings and players. If this final is down to OU, Alabama, and A and M. You know, that's that's not a top 500 kid in the nation. It's just, yeah, it's just no, not. I mean, it's not. I, again, I mean, I, I, not to rail on the services, I don't. Yeah, you know, we've, we've done it. Just, you know, well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a true it's a true statement to say, like, they're not sitting down and doing and evaluating all these guys. So they're not. So what's, what's the matter what they think? So, Caleb, I'm going to end this with just a little bit of an update on defensive line kids for 2025. I've had some people post on the message board. Let's say OU has continued struggles with the dream defensive line class. But OU rebounds this fall on the field. Uh, has a really good season. Defensive line players are all-conference or honorable all-conference. Just They just basically look better making more plays. Let's say maybe R. Mason Thomas and P.J. are not all Big 12, but everyone can see the talent. In the second half of the season, their talent's just flashing. It's just obvious what OU's got. So in 2025, 
what what's kind of the names that folks should be thinking about in terms of D-line players going on with OU right now? So the first name is obviously Kamori Moore, the verbal defensive lineman. And Caleb, we just saw him throwing some huge weight around and looking pretty good in the weight room, right? Yeah, squatting 500 before he is uh, even really begun his his junior year of high school. It's pretty impressive. And man, the thing you love about seeing that is he's he's only six one, which is actually it's fantastic. It's what you want for a nose guard, you know. I mean, it just gives every center when you've got someone that's six one, three hundred pounds, and as strong as as he is, it's just hell on centers. Yeah, it's just you can't move him. You can't move him, right? It's just. And we, so that's like, that was good to see. And we, like I said, Kamori, um, I, I'm going to be interested to see his junior film because as we, as it said, when we saw, when we saw him at the Sooner Than Star event, the photos from the social media stuff, it looked like he had trimmed up and he was actually maybe wasn't carrying some of the bad weight he was carrying as a, as a sophomore. So his, we're, there's, with all, with all the 25 kids, guys, we're going to be scouring film. And usually I would wait until, um, January to start looking for highlights for 25 kids, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna punish poor Caleb and get him in the film room because of all these early commitments. Looking at p- stuff posted by Sperry, Jaden Nickens, more. You know, we'll we'll do a little more early film analysis. Uh, you know, when they start posting some of their game highlights to see what we can see what we can get out of that because we're gonna have it looks like we're gonna have about eight or nine commitments to talk about um, earlier than I. Yeah early than I've ever really seen for OU. So there are some edge rushers in Oklahoma that are interesting. CJ Nixon, the biggest one, if he's an edge rusher, if he's not a tight end, and if he's not a small forward in college, college basketball, he's six, five, <laughs> six, he's six, five, six, six, two fifteen, two twenty. He could easily be six, six, two fifty, and be a blur off the corner. Um, top 50 kind of player in the nation. OU's after Alex shield night. Uh, he's about 6'3", 225, really good edge rusher, uh, good frame, good wingspan, got a good burst off the line, um, an interesting player. Then the other in-state guy to really watch is Marcus James, one of the Carl Albert guys, who's you know, 6'3", 6'4", 200, 210, and really have no idea where that growth could, projection could go. He's a, he's a scary, long athlete. Who could who could end up at about four or five different positions down the road? So the one area where things are a little muddled is top defensive line in Texas. Um, DJ Sanders from Belleville is the, probably the best looking big defensive tackle. They play him at defensive end some, and he's mm, they play three three five probably. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. that you're wondering why the biggest guy in their defensive line is at D end. And he's a lot bigger than the other two guys, so it makes this, it makes it's a little harder to read on him because you know you're like, well, he doesn't have a huge burst, but he's two hundred ninety he's two hundred ninety pounds, so it's like, would he be better inside? What's his what's his what's his ceiling as an interior defensive tackle? Because he's not really a defensive end at six three two ninety as an eight sixteen year old, and then there's a guy really interesting, Marcus Simpson, sorry Malcolm Simpson from Galveston Ball. He's about 6'5", 240, I think, maybe a little bigger. His teammate is uh, Jonah Williams, the linebacker safety hybrid beast, top 20 player in the country that OU's really after. And Simpson, this is another one where this guy could get a lot bigger. Caleb, when, when he gets, starts getting some junior film, I'll send it your way because 
his sophomore stuff is really interesting. He's really making a lot of plays. He's long. He's athletic. But he's also pretty powerful for a 16-year-old. And then the, I think the biggest wild card name in Texas is Coyote Armstrong. He's 6'6", 250. I think he's run a, I think he's run, um, a camp, camp time around 4'6". So is he a defensive end? Is he a tight end? He's already 6'6", 250. And as Caleb tells you, is always fun of telling you, 16-year-olds who are 250 end up being 19-year-olds who are 285, 290. Um, huge frame, very interested to see where his recruiting goes. And then two names I've talked about before, the two Kansas guys starting to get a lot of pub. Julian Juju Marks, uh, 6'7", 250, 260. Could be a defensive end, could be a defensive tackle. And then Jaden Woods, just a fantastic edge-looking pass rusher, uh, 6'4", 230, just a blur off the edge. So. There are names right now. There are not top 20 names like McKinley, Stone, and Winery right now. doesn't mean there can't be. P.J. Yadabore was on no lists on anybody's radar at this time of his recruiting um, when it started. So names can pop up. So that's, that's kind of where we are with some, if you want to know something about 2025, because you're a little bit depressed about 24 or you're, you're you're on the you're on the uh the winery thing has put you on the precipice of thinking OU's gonna lose Stone, Smith, Okoye, and we're gonna be looking at backup options that the OU coaching staff tries to find in October, a little bit like last year. I think Ashton Sanders and Marcus Strong um aren't I, I deserve a little bit more than the plan B also ran. Um, labels they got a little bit from some fans last year. I mean, I yeah, I, I think Taylor, just... Taylor Wine, I'm willing to give, willing to figure out, let, you know, tell me, ask me again in spring what Taylor Wine is, and we'll see. Hey, I, I will say, like, looking at him on the hoof, it's just, it's, I think, I think Chavis even talked about this, like, it's weird, because you look at him, like, his lower half, it is thick, powerful, athletic. He just needs to continue to, you know, just develop his upper body, but he's his film. He was a really natural pass rusher. He just played twitchy. the game. Twitchy. Yeah, just, twitch you know, some guys, and I don't mean this as a shot like to Reggie Grimes or anything, but I, a lot of times when I watch him play, you can see. And I said this in the in the mod chat, right? Like, I think at times he gets inside his head, and there is paralysis by analysis. Like he's coming off the ball and thinking, "Okay, bring my hands. Here's my feet." I need to find the ball. I've got to maintain my outside arm. It's like he's thinking through these things. He just ends and, up being know, looking kind of mechanical. Like He okay, does. He looks mechanical what? and slow. It's like he just – yeah, it's like he's so strictly trying to do just his job. He's not making a play and playing yeah. – making a play within the defense even. And, you know, and honestly, like that's probably the exact opposite of when, when, when you watch, uh, you know, uh, his high school – his senior year film was really good, right? I mean, yeah, was, he just, he's just watching this guy that's just naturally – just yeah. naturally playing football and making plays. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, did we talk, just talk about Gus Cordova? Like he's, uh, the kid from yeah, then the last thing, that That's the text. That's an interesting thing. So it seems like everybody was like in a rush in a rush to get Gus to commit <laughs> to OU. And I think maybe he's gotten some more offers and, yeah. and OU, I think has maybe been a little bit surprised by the, the rush of 25 kids they've gotten already. Could and be like, yeah. maybe like, okay, let's, 
let's why don't you take a why don't you take a look? And this is where Brent's thing really helps a little bit, right? Where you can say, Hey, why don't you we want to see a little more film? Why don't you take some more visits? Go look at some other places. Let us get a little more film. So if you are so if we just so if you are ready to commit, you know, it's it's a good fit for both of us. Cause Yeah. I, I hate you know, to because you know, I'm not sure, but um, you know, with other kids out there, and you know, you know, Joseph Jonah Ayanje, you know, OU found and lost, but they did find him, and he kind of sprung up out of nowhere. I wasn't talking about him six months before that, so there, there are names that will pop up that are like, no, whoa, okay, you, yeah, you, you've got to be in my mind, you've got to be somewhat guarded and careful about you know, edge play, defensive linemen taking them. And offering too many and start taking them at too early of a stage, right? Like yeah. you, 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 you need want junior to, film. You need, you yeah, see you some, do. Yeah, you gotta you, see some there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of kids, you know, especially with as good as the high school football is getting at these really good programs. You know, yeah. there's going to be a lot of kids that were role players, just on varsity as sophomores, played a little bit, but they're going to be the guy as a junior and 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 just do you know, and pop on the scene. So you, you want to be there and be able to take them. The guy that you covered, the guy that I find is just probably the most interesting to me is, yeah, it is CJ Nixon. I just, I'm curious to, to know, like, uh, maybe we should talk to, have you talked to him, but you know, is, is he just defensive ends? That's something he would up to, he'd want to do. Uh, you make more money <laughs> playing defensive right, end. Right. Uh, you know, although if you play in the NBA, you make more money than playing defensive end. Uh, but, but like, He's six five, six six, six right? Five. He's gotta be he's gotta be yeah. really gotta be good a guard at wing. In the NBA. He's gotta be a really yeah. elite wing, right? The you're all of a sudden, you know, the wings you're competing against are I mean, six nine, you're, six ten. Six I mean, you're you're there's a whole realm of guys and yeah. half of them are from Europe. Um, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you I know, know I mean, anything about basketball, but I knew well, that I'm, just I'm by seeing you, the last I'm, names and like oh, yeah, that's, I'm telling you, that's a, I'm telling you that yeah. you know when the best, best play, the, the best prospect since LeBron James is seven feet four and apparently has a perimeter game. The Wemby kid, who you know, uh, okay. uh, uh, Barry Wise loves Wemby. You don't know about the him, NBA now, or is he, he is on, he's on with the San Antonio Spurs? But I mean, he's oh, seven he's four. For me. Okay, he's seven four, Caleb, and he has a perimeter game, and it's and it's a good perimeter game. So it's kind of like wasn't Dirk, the, wasn't Dirk Nowitzki seven foot? He was like seven yeah. one, he was seven foot seven one, and he was obviously, you know, he could that fadeaway he had, you know, from, you know, you couldn't you couldn't touch that. And, but I'm just saying that when you're six foot five, you're like, hey, I'm a great athlete, you know, and then you say, well, look, I'm a great defensive end and tight end. Okay, good. I'm a good basketball athlete. Yeah, the realm of guys you're competing with at six from six five to six nine to be an NBA first rounder, it's. You need to be like ungodly athlete. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, so um, so I'd say so that's me, where Nixon is. I mean, I would hope Nixon is all in on defensive end. So that's to me what makes the twenty five class interesting is is the depth of the talent in state and what they're doing and the leg yeah. up that could give them. So to your point, if coming out of October, that, November, yeah, if he you, was at if the, you, as soon as at the SAR event, so he was there. Yeah. He's OU's doing a good job recruiting him. Chavis appears to be, you know, got his attention, getting him on campus. 
Sperry will obviously, you know, he's at Weatherford. Is that right? Weatherford? Yeah. He's Weatherford. So it's Western Oklahoma. But, you know, if Oklahoma can come out of, let's say they can go into November and they've got all these in-state kids locked up, right? That means you've probably got your linebacker class done. You've got a part of the DB class done. You've got tight end done, right? You've got quarterback done. You've got, you have these guys locked in where they can turn around and say, okay, now you guys are going to help us. And we've just got to go get, you know, 10 more guys. We got to go get the offensive lineman from Texas. We got a huge defensive tackle coming in. We want you to play with him, you know, work with him. You know, so it's the advantage is if you of have course, those guys. Of course, we, we said the same thing about how everything lined up for Oklahoma to crush this year's defensive line class because I railed on and I have, right? Like one of the problems has been this region has not produced a lot of defensive linemen. So for this region to produce a Koye, Nawari, Stone, McKinley, Nigel Smith, you've got to go get them. So, well, uh, McKinley's, McKinley's – I love to say, uh, it's, it's nut-cutting time. It is. But, I mean, McKinley's a little bit of the, of the wild card because he's from Louisiana, right? I mean, but everything look, lines up for you, right? Like you, LSU's gone got, through – You've finally yeah. got an LSU a, – a defensive lineman that LSU hasn't locked up for minute yeah. one, right? I mean, you, you've so, got yeah, a kid so, that – the kid that yeah, kind of wants to get out of he, – he already yeah, he is wired that he wants to get out of state. LSU yeah. has gone through two coaches in six months. Actually, they're going into a third. They're going into a third coach in eight months – six really at his position right and the head coach isn't a guy that's from louisiana i mean it's something that anybody kind of down there would tell you that ed orgeron had a you know, had a hook in there right being a local oh, yeah. guy and uh you know brian kelly is not a local guy and like, he can try to uh talk that fake, accent, fake but, his accent but he's not yeah. uh he's a good coach though great coach really uh but he's not from there so i mean it's it just sets up again. I harp on McKinley a lot. I, I just and it probably probably be super card, disappointed. Right? If it's just one of those Stone, deals where yeah. you could get Stone and Okoye. It's like okay, great. See, I just Nigel feel. Smith, I still just if, feel that. I just feel this. I, I don't know why I feel this way. It's like you get all those guys. To me, McKinley is still a must because again, it comes down to you can't let him go to Texas and play you three years in a row. Well, Larry Johnson may 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 decide to be. Once again, be the OU killer at the last <laughs> minute, sweep in and uh, steal a guy that, um, uh, I mean, when's that guy going to retire for crying out loud? Um, oh, gosh. They probably just keep you know, paying him. Yeah, just whatever. Um, uh, but, I, you know, but I think that's a little bit – if they get Edric Houston, I'm not sure. You know, they've got some other guys. Maybe that doesn't quite work out for them. Um, so, Edric, you didn't want OU. Um UGA stole Joseph Jonayanje anyway. So, Edric, go ahead and go to Ohio State, please. Go ahead and go to Ohio State. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see how how it all will break out. You know, again, you know, you OU fans are on you know suicide hotline. It's like the Far Side <laughs> cartoon with the with the Gary Larson. For those who don't remember, there's a great cartoon. It's called Gary Larson. He had a cartoon called The Far Side. It was always hysterical, somewhat con- sometimes confusing. Sometimes weird, but one of my favorite ones. He has a he has like crisis hotline building on fire going over a going over a waterfall. So it's, that's a little bit what like OU recruiting websites have been the last couple of days. So, but if OU gets David Stone, it's like okay, all right, everything sort of changes a little bit. If OU doesn't get David Stone, I may have to change my my name and and um, and. Uh, uh, Adminning my adminning the recruiting posts on our message board is not going to be a lot of fun. So, but 
regardless. Oh, you got Jaden Nickens. David Stone's coming up. Andy Bass is coming up. Uh, 25 recruiting's going well. Uh, there's an offensive line possible resurgence for 24, where it, it could be the best the best group in the class, which is sort of stunning to really sort of process and think about with six offensive linemen and maybe four guys with like a top 100 kind of label, which is just just wacky to think about. And um, we're going to be tracking all of this and uh, hopefully getting some more info for you guys. If you're not following me on Twitter, please follow me on CM underscore Sooners360. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast to get it from the various platforms we're on. You, um, we're working on YouTube stuff. I know we've been saying that for a while, but we've we've gotten, finally gotten some things ironed out. So we're working on that for, for you guys to start having some YouTube content from the recruiting side of the house here soon. Um, other than that, thanks everyone for subscribing and listening. Caleb, you got any last, any last comments about anything? No, no. I mean, it's just uh, we've talked about it. For other a than, lot, other right? than, other than, if 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 if, if they're interested, um, the McKinleys can have Winery signing bonus, right? That's what it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes. I, yeah, I just, I mean, you pair him next to uh, you pair him next to, to David Stone, and and that's that's quite the defensive tackle tandem to lead Oklahoma into the SEC. And then you go do some three-man looks, three-line looks with with McKinley on the edge as a big def, you know, big three-four defensive end. It all with with the big edge players and big big players there looking at you know the the Son McCullough, you know, it, sort of as a through as a as a Sam linebacker. But he's adding guys like Marcus, possibly adding guys like Marcus James down the road, and uh, those sort of players are. Uh, they're used looking at a lot of length and a lot of speed and space kind of guys. So having a big defensive line in front of it would work just great. So we'll end on that note. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next Thursday, David Stone preview. Uh, and hopefully we've gotten some good news. Hopefully things are trending uh, news-wise. It indicates that the, our, op, our previous optimism about David Stone is still somewhat justified. So good night, all. Thanks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.